Welcome, everyone. Good Life Housing Partners, episode 63, sitting here on Tuesday, November 30th, 2021. I'm at the Good Life HQ in downtown Los Angeles, and my fearless friend is in Dallas-Fort Worth at a uh, un, uh, an, un, an unsaid location outside of a uh, Jason's Deli. We can't tell you which one exactly, but he is there, and he is fighting the good fight, looking for deals and clamping out, down on the ones that we already have. David, where does this find you today? Uh, it finds me very well, just well rested after a nice, uh, quiet uh, Thanksgiving. And then um, I uh, flew out here to Dallas, I, uh, although I didn't fly on Sunday, uh, unfortunately, which, which uh, turns out to be actually the uh, biggest travel day, actually, um, uh, of the so year. far yeah. of the year, of the year uh, and, and, and been a while. Uh, Wednesday before Thanksgiving, which was the second busiest day we've had this year, was uh, 2.3 million travelers in U.S. airports uh, Sunday. I don't have the exact figure, but it said it was higher than uh, uh, Thanksgiving, and it's been the highest since uh, right before. I mean, the pandemic, right before Thanksgiving of the pandemic. Pandemic still pre-pandemic is still ahead slightly, uh, but it's been a huge travel travel weekend, and the airlines didn't screw it up. Um, I know people were very nervous because uh, of all those American Airlines and Southwest canceled flights that happened about a month or so ago, and so uh, I think they they pulled it off um, fairly well. Um, but I, yeah, just enjoying my weekend and, and week here in, in Dallas, like you said, looking at deals, meeting with investors, um, big, uh, actually weather change though, from Southern California in the evening gets a, a bit, uh, cool out here. It's in the, uh, fifties and forties. Oh, so I was surprised, you know, we, uh, we always forget how the seasons just kind of sneak up on you in California because of our weather and also winter shows up and it's clearly, uh, uh, you know, November weather, or, or actually December weather tomorrow. Uh, definitely November weather out, out here. So uh, finds finds me well. Um, speaking of Thanksgiving, so talked about travels. I, uh, a lot of my notes a little bit for this week's podcast. I was looking at a lot of different things about Thanksgiving, and yeah. I guess first first big thing was uh, shopping. Black Friday, the big Black Friday on uh, uh, last Friday. Uh, it was expected to be uh, a huge sales date. It was, especially in terms of uh, definitely beat sales and a lot more foot traffic than last year. A lot more people uh, showed up at the mall. Uh, uh, increased this year to 158.3 million people out there shopping on a Friday. Unfortunately, I wasn't shopping. I don't know if you were out there at the mall, uh, but that was a big number. And it uh, jumped up from uh, a one, you know, only a slightly bit from 156 uh, million people uh, from 2020 and still, but still unfortunately below the 165 million people that shopped on Black Friday uh, pre-COVID. So we're slowly getting there as, as, as I think with most of the story with the, with the, with the COVID virus. Yeah, but that's a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty remarkable number to get to 156 because you have to just think that like there is a good chunk of people that are far more into Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales that are just completely online that have just been probably taken out of the, you know, the shopping equation to some degree. Yeah. I mean, people are definitely in a, in a shopping mood. Um, if you look at uh, the other thing I saw was interesting was if you look at the uh, October numbers, the U.S. household spending had climbed um, 1.3% in October. And, and uh, you know, people definitely, consumer demand, people want to spend some money here and so um you know we talked about this at a prior podcast probably months ago we talked about the huge savings 
that has been happening, you know, the amount of savings Americans had during this pandemic. And is an interesting c- contrast, I guess, in March, um, you know, when we had our last ba- uh, batch of stimulus, um, U.S. consumer savings was about $5.764 trillion. And as of October, the savings rate now is about $1.3 trillion. So people are starting to spend their money, and I think it also reflects how with the summer. What, what, what were those trillions again? Yeah, five point seven six four trillion in savings in March, and part of that's buttressed by, you know, um, stimulus money, and checks that people got. And people just hoarded that money away in March, and now, um, you know, people's savings are about one point three two two trillion. So uh, money's money's out there spending, and I think people definitely want to spend. Um, unemployment claims actually got to um, an, uh, the lowest level in 52 years. It was 199,000 claims last week, and so that's oh, an wow. indication of people um, trying to trying to get back to you know unemployment. And everything it's 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 a very uh, strong sign. Um, Wait, so th- th- un- that's the lowest in how many years? Uh, 52 years. That's why that 50. That's an amazing number, actually. Yeah, so it's almost my lifetime. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> wow. I have to date myself. Um, uh, speaking of stores, though, what's interesting on some more people shopping, you know, what's really interesting uh, is, you know, the old day used to be the war of, of, of uh, online retail versus uh, physical brick and mortar stores. And what's what's a really interesting trend that's developed now, and I think it's partially heightened by the COVID, was the amount of stores that are opening. It's the first time since 2017, retailers are opening more stores than they are closing them. Wow. So while some retailers are closing, like like department stores we talked about, uh, but then a lot of them are opening, especially the drug and convenience um, vendors. But what's interesting, too, is a lot of online companies, companies that started online, as an example, uh, you, you might buy their products. You ever hear of Untuck It? Yep. I have some of those shirts. Oh, I was, I was wondering. I, was, I actually was thinking about buying some. But, so Untuck It, I guess, started out. I could see you wearing those shirts with a lot of pride. <laughs> okay. The whole the whole idea of the untucked shirt is literally it's like dress shirts that you don't have to tuck. Yeah. They look good untucked. That's like a big thing. Uh, I've stopped wearing dress shirts for the most part. So. <laughs> but you, you on yes, that? Yes, I can yes, see. I, can I, can see see I still wear nice sides over there. So well, well, well tailored shirts. Yeah. So I could see uh, switching to some untuckets. Anyway, untuckets yeah. started out completely online. And yes, never thought that they would ever open a, a, a brick and mortar store. And here we are. And here we are. They're they're looking to to uh, open about uh, eighty stores. And apparently, for them, they the stores, which I guess is sort of a new business model now. While they're mainly an online business, the stores, in some ways, to them is is just almost like a advertising billboard. They said, yeah, you know, they, they've noticed that the the more stores they open, uh, you know, they place them within ten miles of each other. It, it usually leads to a huge jump in online sales. Yeah. <laughs> and so well, it's, it's well, what it is, I think, and I, I might be wrong here, but I think there's a handful of stuff because I've actually had to go in there to buy, a, I think, a swimsuit or something once. And there's a handful of stuff that's actually you can buy it and take it. And then everything else, I think they basically send it to you. Okay. So, so they, I think you like measure, you pay for it, and then you actually don't take it home. They, they'll, they'll actually. I think it goes in in their chat, you know, in their distribution channel. And then they just sent it to you like you bought it online. But now you've tried it on, and you made sure that like it looked proper, untucked, and everything. And, yeah. And then they send it to you. 
the, the other thing that's encouraging also for that, that encourages people to actually have brick and mortar physical stores is given how supply chains can kind of, you know, slow now and all the issues, yeah. we have, you know, and, and now that people buy more and more products online, people need places to return stuff. <laughs> And, and and in some ways, also, some of these stores actually can act as mini distribution hubs for certain retailers, too. So, you know, the original purpose of the store was really you go there, you went in there to find your goods, and, and that's why you went there, and then you bought your goods there. It's it's, it's now sort of morphing into, into sort of having multi-functions. And so the I don't think there's any more, we can call it a war of online versus brick and mortar. In some ways, the, the model seems to be that they're, they're kind of supporting each other. Um, and then the other thing on certain other stores, like I guess like um, the sporting goods stores like Dick's and some of these other stores, I guess they, they've they the new model also is people want a little bit more experiences. And so like the Dick, stores like Dick's Sporting Goods, they'll have like rock climbing walls. They're putting in, uh, you know, golf driving range, you know, kind of t- things to test golf yeah. clubs to just get more people. People want to try and do stuff. And then even here's an interesting one. I thought maybe our producers or younger producers might be interested in you know, the gene company is actually opening stores and they're adding these little tailor shops to them so that people can bedazzle their jeans and <laughs> to, uh, you know, customize uh, T-shirts and different things. And I guess that's that's uh, popular now for uh, the younger generation. And so it's a uh, so so the death of the st- of the retail store is uh, might be premature. That's right. what they call the extra. That's the <laughs> That's the extra for, for Levi's and for the young people. That is very extra, they like to say. Yeah. So speaking of uh, the COVID changes, so, as, yeah, they were saying, okay, now we've lived through almost two years of COVID. Um, you know, COVID's not going away. We're going to have to live with this. And they're thinking about uh, kind of like the fad inventions and things. So, you know, some, some of the things, COVID designs, I saw this article, talked about things that, came out of COVID, but it's probably dying and never we'll see again. Uh, let's see if you agree or disagree. The uh, no-touch door opener. The, uh, I, don't know if you huh? I think touches entry is a good one. Um, I think I, I always look at it from like our lens of like apartments and student housing. And I don't know if the cost is is low enough where we can implement it beyond like very main doors. Like, I think you could definitely do it like the leasing office doors or the welcome center doors or whatever, but I'm not sure how much further you're going to go beyond that. Yeah. Well, I was actually referring to something even more simpler. I'm talking about that little gadget you, you, you seen in the store, the little metal, like big key where you can use touch and, you know, enter in your keypads or you touch oh. the, to touch the oh, yeah, uh, yeah, t- yeah. T- t- touch the elevator button so you don't have to really yeah. touch the elevator button. Right. <laughs> Instead right. you and you can yank the door of it and so so I think you know that that was one of the early inventions they talked about COVID. Yeah. The people were selling fat and uh, probably you know now that we realize COVID's more airborne than touching surface yeah. contamination it's it's this this device is gone but some of the stuff like you talked about like the keyless entry stuff some of that's probably going to stick around um you know when it when it when it made me think about the fads i forgot about how and it, you know the other thing obviously all all the things we do now with tsa with with mass and everything but if you think about it too like pre 9-11 the tsa experience and the experience of us taking planes was completely yeah. different yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, now, now we've, we've totally forgotten it. I was thinking, how, like, you know, now we always have to get early, especially with Thanksgiving traveling. Everyone has to get there early, and then you worry about lines, and we have TSA pre-check and all this. And I, and I, and I, I in reading this article, I remember, oh, that's right. Yeah, you know, pre, pre, pre 9-11, there was, you know, very few. We, you, you know, one did. thing, one thing that if you think about it, and if you really think back to pre 9-11, the, while the air security experience was like nothing you just i think you walked through metal detector and that was it yeah just and nothing happened i don't even know if they checked your bags unless you were like flying to some you know crazy third world country or something um but but the airport experience the actual experience at the airport because it was so fast to go through security was actually like completely it was irrelevant even like big airports like jfk and san francisco today those places like have like magnificent you know, local restaurants that have opened giant chains there. They have huge, beautiful lounges that serve you all kind anything you basically want. You can, you know, there's tons of places to sit down. There's massage, you know, you know, the 15 minute massage place. There's like anything you want is they've turned that airport into basically a just a giant mall that happens to, to be where planes land. And because they've got such a captive audience that's like, is like freaked out to get to get there like an hour and a half, two hours early. And then they've got an hour and a half of like, I can spend some money. I can buy this. I can have an extra sandwich. I can have a beer. I can do whatever. And so I think that this is what's flipped the whole airport experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Comple- completely changed it. So it's a, it was, uh, it was funny when reading that argument just kind of reminded me, Oh yeah. I remember traveling. Yeah. But I don't, <laughs> I totally remember that too, but I don't remember ever like, going to an airport and like getting like having any experience yeah, the, i mean i was young so the, 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 only, the only time you did shopping like you like what you're describing is duty free duty free yeah, yeah. Duty free when you do an international travel there you had to get a little early and you you, you know had to plan a little bit but but prior to that you're right it's it's, it's completely changed the, the model of, 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 of air travel um i guess related to another COVID thing face masks here to stay or, or, or gone um I think for travel, it's going to take a long time. I think people still get very nervous on, on travel. Um, and it's because you're just in such close proximities to people. I think it's going to take a long time for those to go away. Maybe that could be the, the, the version of like TSA to kind of the new post COVID world. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same thing. I agree. And, uh, you know, it was interesting because at the beginning of COVID, there were some companies, retailers like Uniqlo who, uh, who adamantly said we will never make a face mask? And yeah, now they've got like these specialized face. But masks. I'll tell you, I mean, personally, I I don't wear a face mask very often at all. Besides maybe an Uber, and that's if, if I'm required. I usually wait till somebody tells me to put it on. I don't know. It's probably not the right way of going about life, but uh, Q- at some QR point you gotta, be, you gotta be a little courageous. QR codes. Uh, Here to stay, or I don't. I think I think some people like them. I think. Uh, I think that Toast app is really good. I think that's a really good one. Like, that's a very smart way that, like, especially um, you can, you know, you get the QR code, you can order right off of it, and then you're paid, and then you can leave if you want to. So, you know, somebody that's, yeah. Well, well, restaurants like them, they say, because, number one, it saves printing costs. And then also they can uh, adjust pricing as needed based on market and, and things yeah. like that. So, so uh, they, definitely the industry is in favor. I think QR codes will, will be here in a while. Oh, I think they'll be here for a while. But I think there will also be like certain dining experiences will actually like play up the idea of a menu 
in yeah. some manner. Yeah, well, that's what they they said that the higher end. It's interesting now. The higher end uh, luxury dining restaurants will have the the paper menus, the yeah, paper, paper menus. But for the for the normal casual food and other places where costs and the margins are so thin, I think QR codes are are, are important. And will probably stay. Um, hybrid work office items. Uh, you know, we now have gotten so used to zoom and the video connections and video uh, uh, distance things. Uh, what do you think about, you know, there's also video distance events. I, I didn't realize I haven't gone, gone to one. I guess people now have video zooming of funerals and bar mitzvahs and, and obviously distance weddings. learning, you know, you know weddings. Uh, you think that's here? Yeah, to stay I, or to go? No, I think, I think that stays in some, in some form for sure, because like, you know, it's just like what we're doing now, like obviously we could, we've been able had this technology for a long time, but now it, it's just so much more seamless. And it's also just, it's kind of how our work day and work life is sort of morphed. And so, yeah, I mean, like I, I have a wedding in, in India next in January. So like, you know, like two months from now and there's a chance I could go and it would be great to go, but there's a, there's a chance I'm not going to go either. Um, and but if I don't go, then I'll definitely just zoom into the thing, and they'll have that set up. And that's the deal. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely going to be uh, something that's new, new in our, our sort of culture. Um, one interesting thing, I guess, sad if you're a student, um, you know, on the distance learning side, Zoom, you know, Zoom and, and online learning, you know, you know, I don't think it's going to, as, as we've talked about before, in student housing, it's not going to replace colleges on campus. But the one area actually, I saw it was funny, uh, where it did replace some. Is has become replaceable. It was New York City where I grew up, and now New York City public schools used to have snow days, and uh, they no longer will have the snow days. You will have to do uh, distance learning. <laughs> so, uh, but no, you know, no I days think off for the snow anymore. I think that's not, that's not a bad one. I mean, I know that it's a it's a very like I remember having a few of those days uh, where it was like whatever for whatever reason like things are rained out or something happened. I think it happens much more frequently in snow areas or places with real weather, but. Um, I don't know. I also felt like at the end, like it, there was all this catch up that needed to happen because of that snow day. Like you'd tag on more days to the end of the year or whatever. And this makes it like just more challenging in some ways. Yep. Yep. Uh, anyway, that was my list of COVID items and trying to figure out here to stay your go. So what about, what about this one where like, um, you know, initially when, when, you know, kind of goes back to the to the uh, touchless systems and things like that, or the, you know, the key thing that you're using. But what about just the amount of cleaning that people are doing? I think that will continue. I think, I mean, especially, I mean, I mean, I think so much of this pandemic is is getting people comfortable and and, and overcoming fear, um, and I think that you know, people feel good about the cleaning and I, and obviously clean, it's hard to say cleaning is bad because I would challenge you to look at it over the next few days you're in Dallas. And I would, I would challenge you that you'll see a lot less cleaning in general in Dallas than you do in LA. Yeah. Although the one thing that surprised me today was the, uh, uh, you know, I've stayed at the same hotel a number of times here in Dallas and, and they don't in the past, they don't have any cleaning unless you specifically request it. And uh, today, the cleaning uh, lady showed up at my room. Oh! <laughs> and I was surprised. I said, "Oh, you're here to clean the room." <laughs> and so, I didn't request. <laughs> and so, um, so I'm I'm happy that that uh, becomes normal or, or, or reverts back to uh, to normal times. Um, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting too in Dallas too. I noticed, uh, you know, like just even 
I, I mentioned to you, I had to go to the auto mechanic. And uh, it's interesting, too, just even in the store, like, you know, some people had masks on, some didn't. And so it was kind of a hodgepodge in there. Yeah. I mean, you go to certain stores, like a Walmart or somewhere, like they enforce it and everyone's wearing a mask or, or Costco or Target or something. But it's interesting. You go to like an auto mechanic de- dealership and, you know, like a Firestone tire- tires kind of place. And, uh, you know, you just see some people wearing masks, some people don't. And so same thing. Yeah, yeah, I noticed also restaurants, obviously, uh, a lot less people wearing masks out here. So yeah, I think people are trying to adjust back to normal without the masks and everything. Yeah. No, I think I think you're outside and you're, you know, I think we've got over this. Like so many people understand this now. It's, I, don't, I don't think you need to have like be as maybe particular about it as we see a lot of it in Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a, a little bit. It's it's a little bit of I don't know. Maybe it's virtue signaling. I don't know what it is, but yeah, it, it's a, a little bit over the top here. And I, I would say, that, you know, it's probably I don't know. I think you're almost at this at this edge where you're you're better off in some ways, like getting past some of these things, so you can get back to your level of normalcy. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so I also saw an interesting, you know, you talked about, I think, at the last podcast about capacity in New York City office buildings. Yeah, being, uh, being 28%. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, I saw another uh, article with some interesting statistics that, that kind of coincide with that, which is, you know, when is the Wall Street finance industry going to get back to the office in New York City? And, you know, it, it's interesting. So the financial industry in New York City employs about 332,000 people. And... Uh, as of October 2021, only 20% of those people come in on a daily basis today still. And they expect that increase to only 47% by the end of January. And just a comparison, pre-pandemic, you know, 80% of that finance worker employee population used to come into the office every day. And so that's sort of one of the biggest challenges now. They say a lot of the big banks, they're all fighting to try to, or trying to figure out ways to encourage people to come back to the office full time. You know, JP Morgan, even Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley, you know, and a lot of them, because there's also the, always the talent war for Wall Street, uh, you know, uh, Ivy League graduates and all that. Um, no one wants to be the bad guy to be like, to, to actually take the tactic of actually firing people, even though they really want to. They say in informal stories, say a lot of senior management at Wall Street wants to fire people for not coming in, but they can't do it. And so they're begrudgingly um, trying to try to try to, you know, figure out ways to get this, which the only tools they really have is raise salaries and bonuses and, and try to they, uh, offer more food, free food and things in the office to try to attract them. Uh, but but, you know, most of the big banks are in the, you know, 40, 40 uh, percent range of having people come in every day. So it's, it's kind of consistent with where you're talking about capacities of New York City, yeah. buildings, which is dominated by finance companies. <laughs> yeah. I, I think what I've seen, at least in the, you know, I, I, when I was there last month, what I saw a lot of was the finance people are starting to go in a lot more. Um, they're definitely not where they were pre pandemic, but they're also, I, at least anecdotally, what I saw was that there's some folks that have definitely got into like other routines where they're like, okay, I'm entertaining this client. I'm doing this with them. And it's like all of it's off off site. And that that's like my Tuesday or something like that. Or I'm doing something like completely off site. And that's become a part of my week. Like on Wednesdays, I do this or Thursday, I do that. And like, it's just become a part of their routine. And, and 
and until like productivity starts to drop for those groups, which it shows no signs of doing, I think it's gonna be really hard to break some of those things. Yeah, yeah. Especially, especially if there are people that are they're on the production side, they're actually producing, then it's really hard to say, well, you did, you know, you did X in in eighteen and then, or nineteen, and then when the pandemic hit, you went to a much lower number and you stay there. Unless that's the case, which it's not for most of these folks, it's really hard to say, well, you need to get back to X. Unless, you know, I think it becomes really challenging. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's super challenging. And I think the, cha- the the other challenge, too, is, is there's a lot of guys on Wall Street, sort of the older generation, are so used to the old model of, yeah. uh, you know, sweating. And, like, it's just, it's almost in some ways like an ego principle thing. They feel like, well, how can this be? How can we allow them yeah. to do this? And so I think there's really some of that. Upending yeah. everything on its head. I think part of it is is that, and that's gotten flipped a little bit, and that ticks a lot of these guys off. But I think the other side of it's like, I you know I made two million for the firm in nineteen, and I made three million in twenty, and I'm I'm in pace to make three and a half million this year, and so unless you really want me to just go back to making two, I kind of think this is working, don't you? Yeah, or, or, <laughs> I've seen this sort of like argument made before. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of hard, isn't it? <laughs> like yeah. if you're if you're producing way more, um, maybe the old way was not the way. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, 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 you know, the other risk is, or, or you really you want me to go back to two or you want me to go somewhere else where it allows me to, yeah. to keep my upward trend and keep growing and let them grow the business to somewhere else, one of your competitors. So, yeah, that's, I guess that's the other, although I haven't seen as much movement that way. I mean, when I've seen the movement on like, um, you know, just folks leaving that world, it's like they're leaving a company, they're leaving it the world entirely. Yeah. Like I've seen some guys shift out of like investment banks or whatever to go to something just totally different. And they're not like going across the street. They're going just like to a whole different place. Yeah. A startup or whatever. Um, well, I have, a, I have actually a, an interesting number and I think it kind of speaks to the signs of the time. So I was overhearing on a CNBC, one of the guys was talking about, it, and he said, you know, one of the really interesting things that's happened since the start of the pandemic in March of 2020 is there's just been a number of like dips in the market. And so a dip is like, usually it's like 5% and a drop is, is 10% or more. Right. And so dips are like, you know, anywhere three to 5% is like a dip and that, that rattles the market. And so since March of 2020, there've been 17 dips in the market, which is like the most in like a two year period in like, I think ever basically, and what it does is like it, 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 in, in this day and age when we're so connected to the market and tickers and we're watching things all the time, that little that little Richter scale of like how you're judging life or what you're thinking, like how strong things are or how weak things are. When you're getting 17 times, like basically on a monthly basis, you're dropping that. You, you're, it's constantly throwing you off your like, where is the world? Like, I think it, and that's just a question we ask all the time, but it's like, if that's happening with such frequency, much more than what's normal, it almost there's no choice but to always have this feeling like we're always a little bit off. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it it's definitely information overload now that we have so much access to information. I mean, just I mean, I didn't I didn't even mention it. You know, you know, Friday before this, you know, yeah. the market was open right after Thanksgiving. You had the you know, all of a sudden this Omicron virus thing was mentioned and and, and i think uh you know uh, i think we what we banned people from south africa coming to us and so a couple yeah. other countries and then you know market went crazy and had this huge well, shift it went crazy time. because it was it's a half day of trading i don't know who the hell shows up on that day after thanksgiving and 
I mean, to use this day to even have the market open, they should just yeah. not open it because, like, all, it's either nothing's gonna happen or something sh- like something shitty's gonna happen, and then yeah. we got the shitty part. So, yeah. like, it's just like you almost lo- better letting the letting the weekend pass. And now it's like, yeah, there's this new variant, and something could be wrong there. We're trying to figure it out, we're trying to understand it, but like, I don't know that you. I mean, even even these bands of like people from countries. I mean, I think we're well past that point. Like, yeah, it, it's you know. We're well, not well, we had the country huge, where you well, can we, really make that successful. Well, we had the huge dip, like you said, and then and then yeah. it came, and then it came back up on Monday. And, yeah, and, so, and I, I don't know what it is today, but I don't think I don't think we're down just, today, right? It's a slight dip today. Oh no, today's a decent dip. Today, yeah. today's a it, today's a it's again a, like a three percent dip. Oh, two so percent dip. dip. Huh, interesting. Yeah, but it, it's I think it's just this constant dip that we've and so many people like more than ever before have connected their like life and and net worth and like almost like life worth to the markets that like this constant i mean it's actually in some ways like being in real estate because like we can't like our markets don't dip that quickly (laughs) like it takes a long time for that dip to happen or you to be aware of it so like in some ways it's almost like a lot easier when you're in like a market like real estate and i think for for a lot of older people um it's actually quite like it's it's a lot better because you're not like constantly like watching a ticker and saying oh shit i'm up i'm up 10 percent today or i'm down 18 percent or whatever you're at you're, you're not constantly like judging your like life's work on you know a ticker yeah that's true i mean that's the whole point of real estate it's supposed to be a liquid or, or less liquid than stocks and bonds that, that, that you're constantly watching a ticker and usually the dips or whatever you want to call it in real estate we call it i guess really cycles right yeah when the, when the, when the down cycle happens and, and that's usually historically you know every seven to ten years and so um so it's a lot longer than like something that can you know like you said multiple times happening during a year yeah uh, so my number um a little different two trillion Mm, which much. is uh, we are actually on the cusp in 2021 of having about $2 trillion uh, in dollars amount of sales in the ho- houses, which is, which is a new high. Um, the last high we had was, which was close was uh, a, f- uh, a couple hundred billion in sales was in, in the 2005s. And there were more transactions then, but it was, but we also had all these subprime mortgages then and it was just a lot of people buying houses uh, that was financed by cheap money, whereas this this year instead it's all because of you know the, the lack of supply. And so, what was the last part, David? You you cut out for a second. Oh, I, I said I said I said while we have less volume in terms of number of houses mm-hmm. being sold because of all the issues we talked about in the past about supplies. Right. So yeah. You know, but the value and the pricing of all the homes are so much higher now than in 2005 that the, that the, yeah, you know, that the, this could be the year we hit 2 trillion in, 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 in sales volume. So, so trends, so the number of transactions is down, but the volume of like total sales is actually. Yeah. Quite the sales high. value is a lot higher. So it's, so this year we expect to get to two trillion in sales. Correct. In the first half of wow. 2020, we already hit 750 billion, and so there's supposed to be a lot of sales that will be coming in and finishing up at the end of this year. Wow. Uh, even even when there's such little supply. <laughs> and what's a what's a normal year? Uh, <laughs> normal normal year is is uh, well a, a pretty healthy year would be about uh, about a hundred billion to two hundred billion hundred to two hundred billion. In value and we're gonna we're gonna 20x that number yeah oh my god wow 
I'm glad I'm sitting down. Uh, that's a that's a big that's a big swing. Wow, that's actually pretty amazing that this that the swing is that far. Yeah, well, just also goes to show how prices have gone up so much too. Definitely, it's pricing, but like that's also just like an unbelievable transactions just getting done. Yeah, but that's that's a. I didn't realize the number was so big. Wow. Um, any content this week? Uh, no, my, well, my only content was, uh, I did finish that, that, uh, South Korean series, Vincenzo, oh, about, nice. the, about the mafia lawyer who, uh, helps, helps, uh, it's, it's, it actually, it was a very good, it was actually longer than I thought. I really thought it'd be like 10 episodes. I binge watched it over Thanksgiving and it was actually 20 episodes <laughs> for season. Oh man, those 20 episode benders. <laughs> and, uh, but it, recommend it uh first two episodes might be a little slow but it sets the stage it's just there's just a lot of fun uh, it was a very fun series uh very fun to watch a lot of action um there was a lot of sort of uh, oceans 11 kind of little things happening every now and then in their battle with this mafia lawyer against the big corporate conglomerate uh trying to take over uh you know you know a, a piece of land for development that they that the the small tenants banded together with the mafia lawyer to defend. And there's all sorts of subplots and stories going on. And so this is a very, very entertaining, highly recommend it. What about yourself? Um, no, I've been, I'm still watching succession. And then I started watching on, uh, on Netflix, Kevin Hart's new series called true story. And uh, it's with Kevin Hart and uh, Wesley Snipes, their brothers. And they, uh, they, I'm just in the first episode, but they, have some not so great uh luck and and now they're trying to work through it um it's 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 a much more dramatic role for kevin hart which is kind of he's still he's still funny but it's like much more of a dramatic role for him and uh it's interesting wesley snipes is who hasn't really been in much in a while aside from some bit parts here and there and then having some tax issues um he he he's an interesting character in that he's just like very He's definitely aged, I would say, but it's uh it's an interesting watch. Um, any upgrades this week for you? Uh, no, no upgrades for me. I mean, other than going to the gym. Um, oh. you know, uh, I, you know, I was gonna say I did actually see that trailer too. I thought about watching it at first. I thought it was a movie with Kevin. Yeah, Hart. I did too. Actually, it's actually like, just, like a series. Like episode yeah. one, episode two. I was, oh my god, it's a whole episode. And then yeah, I said, okay, I need to set some time for this one and do that one. So. Um, on the on the content side, I was as I mentioned uh, there was something I, I thought was interesting. Actually, going back to Korea again too, one of these new uh, trends I thought that was interesting about women in South Korea, uh, where the makeup industry is a very strong industry. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, a lot of feminists now have this new movement called rollers, and they like to you know the the little rollers you use to curl your hair. A lot of women now um, wear the rollers out in public, so like they. Uh, you know, they just put a roller in their front of like their bangs, and it's it's sort of an expression of, you you know, you know, why do I have to have perfect makeup on and hair all the time uh, when I'm out in public? You know, I should only do it when I want to do it, and so, and so uh, celebrities and other people now are are uh, walking around uh, with these little rollers in their hair as if it look like their hair is half done. Um, so I just thought it was an interesting uh, movement. Interesting look. Yeah, interesting look. On, and uh, you, know, you know, so I, I, I was curious if any of our uh, producers uh, would be would be trying that look. <laughs> so. Yeah, I haven't seen them curlers in their hairs. But <laughs> maybe, maybe one of these days. Um, 
I, my upgrade was well, I actually have two upgrades. One is a uh, USC finally hired a new coach. They uh, backed up the brink truck and got Lincoln Riley from University of Oklahoma uh, to come here. And it's it's you know as a person that went to USC and uh, definitely subscribes to some USC lore and remind is reminded of my fond times there and and also of a pretty healthy business that was created there. Um, it is remarkable to see somebody that is like 38 years old completely come to a city like Los Angeles and like invigorate so many people. Like it's unbelievable how how the stars have to align to make that work. Like, I mean, I mean, they get, they're paying the guy a ton of money. They're giving him all sorts of perks, and there's like they're probably one of like a handful of schools that can pull all that off. But the the the, the bet is so calculated, and it's. Like the payoff is so heavy for for the school probably that it it honestly doesn't matter. But to see like somebody of that age and ilk, um, I don't know. I can't remember the last time I've seen something like that happen on, on on a coaching level, not on a playing level. Is he? Is he? Does he have that track record? Is it? Was he that yeah. good coach? Oh, okay. He, he's basically. So what's interesting about him is he's he's basically the same age as LeBron James, and LeBron James. Yeah, the Lakers are definitely a more interesting team with LeBron James. They've won a championship with LeBron James, but he didn't like make the the value of the Lakers really change that much. Like incrementally, sure, but anything like more than you know, like a little blip, not really. Like there's still like a pretty strong brand that's always going to be sort of like attached to Staples slash crypto or whatever. And there's just like a very valuable sports entity, right? USC, on the other hand, like. Is, is in a space where, like, they're going to be vying for this pretty gigantic TV contract. And this guy who's, you know, as I said, 38 years old is going to walk in here and probably get them to be a contender pretty quickly and, and really change the math on how that deal gets worked out. So it's an interesting... Um, That's very, it's very it's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I, I, you know, to, see, to hear people my age and much older excited about the, that football program, it's been some time since that's happened. No, that's good. Yeah, no, it's very exciting, and, and I mean, they needed that. So, <laughs> yeah, they, they like you said, they they're the one one of few universities with that kind of resources to pull it off. So, yeah. So that was my that was my upgrade. Um, what was yours? Uh, oh, you went to the gym. I just went to the gym again. Right. <laughs> Consistency is key. Consistency is key, man. All right, um, <laughs> that does it for us. Thank you, everyone. Good Life Housing Partners signing off. Appreciate everyone joining. Uh, thank you guys for everyone for listening. No questions this week. We'll put that up next week when we're all back in the office. Uh, please do continue to subscribe. And if you have any questions, email us at pod at goodlifehp.com. And you can always find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thanks again, David Fong. Any final words? Uh, be safe, everyone. Get Bye on. Creation and boosters. Bye. 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 Bye.